One Hope Church. All right, good morning, everybody. Kids making their way for their Sunday school time. And uh, we appreciate y'all being here this morning on a brisk December day in Athens, Georgia. Once again, just amazed and super thankful. Um, another morning where it rained, you know, early and it might rain again this evening. Uh, but once again, we are, we are able to not have to sit in the rain. <laughs> so we are super thankful again, uh, to the Lord today for the, the blessing to meet together. And, uh, we're going to continue our study through the book of Genesis this morning. We're going to be in the first half of Genesis chapter 18 and also, um, in Luke chapter one this morning, if you have your Bibles, um, with you and we're looking at, um, promised sons, uh, this morning, um, that God had promised, um, Abraham to give him Isaac through Sarah and God promised, uh, to give us, um, his son, the Messiah, um, through, through Mary. And so, um, we are thankful, um, this morning. So let's go to the Lord in prayer and then we'll jump right into Genesis chapter 18. So Heavenly Father, we thank you for the privilege to meet here together this morning. We thank you for your word. We thank you that it is truth. We pray that you would help us to apply it rightly to our lives. Again, we are thankful for those, um, with us today in person, with us online, um, people traveling, over the holiday season. We pray, Lord, that you would keep people safe as they travel um, and also keep us safe from from viruses and and other things, Lord. Um, But in all things, no matter what happens, may we put you first. May we adore your holy name. Um, Whether our circumstances are wonderful or horrible, that, Lord, we would still praise your precious name. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen. Amen. All right, so Genesis chapter 18, um, let's begin in verse 1. It says, The Lord appeared to him, that is Abraham, by the terebinth trees of Mamre, as he was sitting in the tent door in the heat of the day. So he lifted his eyes and looked, and behold, three men were standing by him. And when he saw them, he ran from the tent door to meet them and bowed himself to the ground and said, My Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight, do not pass by, uh, do not pass on by your servant. Please let a little water be brought and wash your feet and rest yourselves under the tree. And I will bring a morsel of bread that you may refresh your hearts and that you may pass by inasmuch as you have come to your servant. And they said, do as you have said. So again, just to set this scene, um, you know, it's the heat of the day. Um, It's warm and, you know, people in um, agricultural uh, societies, there's often a practice of, you know, you get up early, you work hard, the heat of the day, you take a rest. Um, When the heat of the day passes, you you go back to your work again. Um, But in the heat of the day, you need a little bit of relief um, you know, from, um, from the sun, you know, and especially if, if, if you're in a, a, a harsher climate. And so it's the heat of the day. 
So there is Abraham in his, um, the door of his tent and getting a little shade. And uh, he lifts his eyes and he looks and he sees three men coming by. Now we'll know two ultimately are, are angels and one is the angel of the Lord, which again is a, an appearance um, of Christ in the Old Testament. A Christophany. And we see these happen and we saw our first one back um, with Hagar. Um, you know, when she, uh, you know, went out to the desert and, and um, God met with her um, and told her to go back. And that was an incredible scene we saw uh, just recently in our study. Um, but now Abraham has this experience. He realizes, um, you know, he, he has an understanding of who is appearing to him. It's the Lord. And so he doesn't walk casually. He doesn't go and says, hello, friend, let's shake hands, you know, sort of thing, or have a greeting of peers, like we're equal here. No, he runs Abraham as an older man. Remember, he's an older man at this point. He runs and he bows himself to the ground. An older man who is a person in authority over many others runs and bows down. Don't lose sight of that. And says, my Lord, if I have now found favor in your sight. So he's recognizing who he's talking to. Do not pass by. He's, and so he, he offers hospitality. Let me bring some water f- for you, some water for your feet. Rest yourselves under the tree. I'll bring you some bread. They say, do as you have said. And then verse 6, it says, so Abraham hurried. See, everything Abraham is doing as an older man with speed. He hurries into the tent and said, and, and said to Sarah, quickly, make ready three measures of fine meal Knead it and make cakes. And Abraham ran, ran to the herd. So he runs to the tent. Says, Sarah, please make some cakes. Runs to the herd. And he took, he picks this one out himself. He took a tender and good calf and gave it to a young man. And he hastened to prepare it. So he makes a selection He's like, you know, this needs to be prepared quickly. Then he took butter and milk and the calf which he had prepared and set it before them. And he stood by them under the tree as they ate. There's some significant things here that Abraham knew he was who he was dealing with. Abraham hurried and he was quick to enjoy fellowship with the Lord and he wanted to serve the best that he had. We don't know what was on their menu for that day. Might have been leftovers. You know, whatever. But here in a hurry, Abraham makes a barbecue. Okay. (laughs) We have some bread and some barbecue, some butter and milk, 
<laughs> this is a um, a feast that they are going to have that he serves to them. It says he stood by them under the tree as they ate. He was their servant. He actually calls himself that. Do not pass on by your servant. See, and I really believe that everybody who's in right relationship with the Lord understands positionally the greatness of God. And that even though through Jesus, God has made us his children and made us part of his family, we still have a perspective of what? Lord, I am your servant. Because what are we saying in that relationship? I am your servant. We're saying you are higher. God, you are higher. And God, you are in charge. It's a good reminder. When we're starting to feel a little something about ourselves, certain, a certain, we're starting to feel a certain way about ourselves, we go, who is higher? God or me? Well, that should be a pretty obvious answer, right? Who is king and who is servant? Jesus is king. I am servant. He's called me his, his family. But if, and Jesus taught us, if he came to serve, how much more? You know, should we be willing to serve God when God put on human flesh to serve us and to make himself a sacrifice for us and to go to the cross for us? Of course, we should respond by laying down our pride and our arrogance and desiring to be servants ourselves. Fellowship with the Lord is important and fellowship is important. We see this in the scripture. Verse 9, then they said to him, where is Sarah, your wife? So he said, here in the tent. And he, that's again, the angel of the Lord said, I will certainly return to you according to the time of life. And behold, Sarah, your wife shall have a son. Now, Sarah was listening in the tent door, which was behind him. Now, Abraham and Sarah were old, well advanced in age, and Sarah had passed the age of childbearing. Therefore, Sarah laughed within herself, saying, After have, after I have grown old, shall I have pleasure, my Lord being old also. And the Lord said to Abraham, Why did Sarah laugh, saying, Shall I bear a child since I am old? Is anything too hard or Perhaps, is anything too marvelous for the Lord? At the appointed time, I will return to you according to the time of life, and Sarah shall have a son. But Sarah denied it, saying, I did not laugh, for she was afraid. And he said, no, but you did laugh. 
and that's kind of interesting because that's where that part, the scene continues, but that part of the scene just kind of ends there. It's just kind of like, I didn't laugh, though, but you did. There's a lesson there from Sarah that I hope that we will learn to apply to our own lives is that we shouldn't try to hide anything from the Lord. See, the Lord not only knows what you did, the Lord not only knows what you said, see, the Lord knows what you thought. The Lord knows what the attitude of the heart was behind the deed or behind the the word or behind the thought. See, we can't hide anything from the Lord. What can you hide from the Lord? Nothing. We are an open book. There is not anything in your life that you have ever done or said or thought that the Lord doesn't know about. Nothing is hidden from his sight. So you and I need to recognize that. Try as we may, we can't hide anything from God. So it's better off to be honest. And especially when we are caught wrong-footed. We should not double down and say, but Lord, no. Rather, we should humble ourselves before the Lord and say, Lord, you're right. I did say that, or I did do that, or I I did have those thoughts, and it was wrong. And help me to have a different mindset, a different heart set. Change me from the inside out about whatever that is. You see, Sarah was looking at her own circumstances again based on what humans can do. What humans are capable of. But she was talking to the one who had spoken all things into existence. She was talking to the creator of all. And if God can create all, then certainly he can make it possible for a barren woman to have a child. And so just looking at um, the events surrounding the birth of Isaac and Jesus as we are, you know, in this season when we tend to pay a little more attention um, to the reality that, that, that Jesus came. And, and we need to be sure, first in our own hearts, when we talk about Christmas, what is our focus? Okay, so again, understand um, you know, we might not be at the right time of year, you know, when people decided, Hey, this is going to be when we celebrate this, whatever. And of course, just like the resurrection of Jesus, 
the resurrection of Jesus, the, the death and resurrection of Jesus, we remember all throughout the year. And every Sunday when we come to the Lord's table and we take the bread and the cup, we are, we are remembering some things. We're remembering that God sent his son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. We're, believing, we're remembering that Jesus was sent from God and was born of a virgin. We're remembering that he lived a sinless and perfect you know, life and, and all that he did in his miracles and his teaching and that his purpose was to go to the cross to be a sacrifice for our sins and that the grave could not hold him but he had victory over sin at the cross and victory over death in his resurrection and that he will return. See, we were remembering the whole story every Sunday. Our culture may give a nod, may give a nod to these things, particular holidays. But even then, see, when our world talks about Christmas, it's not ta- the world is not talking about a savior coming to, to make a sacrificial atonement for your sin debt. See, that's what we're talking about. When we're talking about Christmas, we're talking about God sending his son as a sacrificial payment for your debt of sin and for my debt of sin that we couldn't pay. You see, the story of Christmas is actually a story of God's grace so that we would not receive the judgment that we deserve. But what is Christmas to the world? Santa Claus. The giving and receiving of gifts. Now, I'm not here to poo-poo that. We should give and receive gifts. I think it's great that we give and receive gifts. But that giving and receiving of these material things should not overshadow, should not be the emphasis above and beyond our thoughts about God sending the Savior, Jesus, for us. What's the priority? You see, and there's a question that I think we need to be honest about ourselves is how much time and energy and effort do we spend on the cultural aspects of Christmas versus the time and effort and energy that we spend in preparing him room in our hearts to have fellowship with God and preparing room in the hearts of others for fellowship with God. Back in chapter 17, there was a prophecy concerning Isaac, and God said, Yes, but your wife Sarah will bear you a son, and you will call him Isaac. I will establish my covenant with him, an everlasting covenant for his descendants after him. 
And then again, what we have read in Genesis chapter 18 this morning of this prophetic word of, you know, about this time next year. Here's what's going to happen. We'll see the fulfillment once we get to chapter 21. There's some other things that happen in this in that year that we're going to have to talk about. As we go into the new year, we'll, we'll approach those things. There's also prophecies concerning Jesus in the Old Testament. Isaiah seven fourteen. Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign. The virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel. What is Emmanuel? God with us. We go to Luke. In verse, chapter 1, verse 26. Now in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent by God to a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin betrothed to a man whose name was Joseph of the house of David. The virgin's name was Mary. And having come in, the angel said to her, Rejoice! Highly favored one, the Lord is with you. Blessed are you among women. But when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying and considered what manner of greeting this was. Then the angel said to her, Do not be afraid, Mary, for you have found favor with God. And behold, you will conceive in your room and bring forth a son and shall call his name Jesus. And he will be great and will be called the son of the highest. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his father, David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there will be no end. Then Mary said to the angel, How can this be, since I do not know a man? And the angel answered and said to her, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the highest will overshadow you. Therefore also that Holy One who is is to be born will be called the Son of God. Now indeed, Elizabeth, your relative, has also conceived a son in her old age. And this is now the sixth month for her who was called barren. For with God, nothing will be impossible. So you have Sarah and Elizabeth who both are beyond age and then Mary, who is a virgin, and from there we have Isaac and John the Baptist and Jesus. It's all miraculous, different ways of being miraculous, but it's all miraculous. For with God, nothing will be impossible. You see, love, God loves, God takes pleasure and joy out of doing the extraordinary And by giving us an opportunity, God gives us an opportunity to scoff at him and his ways. Or to respond in faith. See, because what God does is he gives an opportunity for our hearts to be revealed.
Then Mary said, Behold, the maidservant of the Lord. Let it be to me according to your word. And the angel departed from her. You see that theme again? What did Abraham, he called himself to the Lord, your servant, bowed low. How does Mary refer to herself, a maidservant of the Lord? Like, yes, I'm ready and available to do your will. That should be the response of our hearts as well. Verse 39, now Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste to a city of Judah and entered the house of Zacharias and greeted Elizabeth. And it happened when Elizabeth heard the greeting of Mary that the babe leaped in her womb. And Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. Then she spoke out with a loud voice and said, Blessed are you among women, among women, and blessed is the fruit of your womb. But why is this granted to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? I got to stop there just for a second. Because how amazing is that? Mary recognizes that the one in the womb, sorry, Elizabeth recognizes that the one in the womb of Mary is her Lord. Is divine, is different from the rest of us. That this is the one she even now begins to worship. Verse 44 For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told. The babe leaped in my womb for joy. That is, you know, obviously a supernatural element that happens there, right? That's different. God is doing something different than the normal course of human events. However, every woman that I know that's been pregnant will tell you what about what's happening in her womb. The feeling of the hands, the feeling of the feet kicking, right? The the life that is there. And this morning, my intention in, in bringing this message actually is not to, um, well, I'll tell you what my, my intention is. My intention is to, to focus our hearts to the, the miraculous work that God did Um, in the lives of Abraham and Sarah and the miraculous work that God did in the lives of Mary and Elizabeth and how we are all blessed by this. But, and at the same time, um, in our context, in our world today,
I have so many discussions with people who question whether what they would call a fetus or a, a parasite inside of a host is not a living human being and therefore does not have the rights of a living human being. But the babe leaped in Elizabeth's womb for joy. The psalmist said that um, in his mother's womb, God had formed him. Regardless of what our culture says, as followers of Jesus, we need to be people who seek to protect all life, all human life. You know, is precious before God. From the cradle, before the cradle. You don't say from the cradle. From the womb to the tomb. All are precious. All are precious. And have an intrinsic value. That is not based on one's age or one's abilities or one's self-sufficiency, but it is the value is in the mere fact of being human and that God has given, given this. We can't be in a situation where only those who are wanted are the ones who get to live. Because when a society starts to do that, you see, then societies start to pick and it changes radically over time between who is wanted and who is not wanted. Listen to those with disabilities who will tell you about our world's goal to exterminate them. Femicide. People will want to have an abortion because there's going to be a girl that is born instead of a boy. think that doesn't happen it happens and it happens often a society is headed for trouble when it does not care for its elderly. A society is headed for trouble when it does not care for the vulnerable. A society is headed for trouble 
when it does not defend those who cannot defend themselves. I prefer for my children and my grandchildren to be to grow up in culture in a culture that a culture of life and not a culture of death. It's a cultural issue. Unfortunately, in our context, people have made it a, a political issue. Shouldn't have anything to do with political party. It should just be, we all care for those who cannot protect themselves. We all seek to protect those who can't protect themselves. For indeed, as soon as the voice of your greeting sounded in my ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. Blessed is she who believed, for there will be a fulfillment of those things which were told her from the Lord. See, God is mighty and good. And Mary responds in verse 46. Listen to this. And Mary said, my soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. I hope we can echo that this morning. My soul magnifies the Lord. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. For he has regarded the lowly state of his maidservant. For behold, Henceforth, all generations will call me blessed. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. I hear that. For he who is mighty has done great things for me. That's, she's not saying they're going to call me a blessed because I'm wonderful. No, they're going to call me blessed because why? Because God has done great things for me. It's not out of pride that she says that. It's out of her humility. And holy is his name. And his mercy is on those who fear him from generation to generation. Still true. He has shown the strength with his arm. He has scattered the proud in the imagination of their hearts. I love that phrase. To those who are prideful... They, have, they basically have just big-time imaginations about how great they are. But it's, it's not reality. The reality is we're all small. They have illusions of grandeur and greatness because of, oh, look what we've built, look what we've accomplished, look what we've done. But in the grand scheme of the universe and time and eternity, it's nothing. See, imagination 
as Mary calls it, the imagination of their hearts. He has put down the mighty from their thrones and exalted the lowly. He has filled the hungry with good things and the rich, the rich he has sent away empty. He has helped his servant Israel in remembrance of his mercy. As he spoke to our fathers, and here's a line, to Abraham and to his seed forever. We've had that emphasis about all the family of the earth, all the families of the earth being blessed through the seed of Abraham. And that seed is ultimately in Mary, the promised Messiah. And Mary remained with her about three months with Elizabeth and she was with Elizabeth and that home and then returned to her house. And that's where we'll conclude um, in Luke chapter one this morning. But again, just want to remind us how awesome, how wonderful God is and what God has done for us and how God blessed Sarah even though she laughed. How God did a miraculous thing for Abraham and for, and for Sarah and Going, you know, the, the promise to give them Isaac and how God had done an amazing thing for Elizabeth and for Mary. Now, again, you know, people tend to err on, on, on extremes. When it comes to Mary, uh, many people um, try to worship her and try to act as if she, she was somehow sinless that's not biblical and then others in response to that just kind of ignore her and ignore her part of the story because you know we don't want to do what those folks are doing in terms of Mariology and you know the, the worship of Mary well I just want to encourage y'all to never let the extremes dictate your approach. But rather to always strive to have a biblical approach. So what does the Bible say we should do? It says we you know we're gonna call her blessed, you know, among women. She's awesome and amazing testimony. An amazing example of faith and obedience. We need to follow that example that Mary gave us. And also recognize that even she knew her need 
to be saved. Folks, if Mary needed to be saved, pretty sure that makes all of us, every human being, other than Jesus, who's the promised one, the son of God, all the rest of us are in the category of needing salvation. I pray you have already received it, but anybody hearing this message this morning who hasn't received it yet, you today could agree with Mary, who in verse 47 says, and my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. It's not God, my equal. It's not God who didn't need to save me because I'm sinless. No, 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 no. If you need a savior, it's why? Because you needed rescue. Why do you need rescue? Because you were in danger. Why was Mary in danger? Because she did have sin. As good as she was. You see, if Mary is the best of us, the best of us is still a sinner. And my spirit has rejoiced in God, my Savior. So how do we approach Mary? We recognize that she is an example of faith and obedience that we can look up to in our spiritual faith. And we also recognize that she herself needed a Savior. So this is how we approach the scripture. We go, we don't go, what does this group of people say? Or what does that group of people say? We say, what does the Bible say? What does the scripture say? That's how we approach Mary. That's how we approach Jesus. That's how we approach every issue of life. You see, Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but has everlasting life. See, that's that's the message. When we say, how does someone become right with God? Well, this group says, do these good works. This group says, go through these rituals. No, what does the Bible say? What does the Bible say? Any issue you pick, what what do Democrats say? What do Republicans say? What do Baptists say? What do Catholics say? It doesn't matter. Y'all understand what I'm saying here? I need to make this real, real clear. It doesn't matter what Democrats say. It doesn't matter what Republicans say. It doesn't matter what independents say. It doesn't matter what Catholics say. It doesn't matter what Baptists say, what Protestants say, what Presbyterians say. Or any other group. Doesn't matter what Americans say. Doesn't matter what Australians say. doesn't matter what Chinese say or Iranians say. It doesn't matter. What matters is, what has God said in his scripture? That's what I want to believe. That's what I want to go with. And that's what I want to build my life on. Why? Why? Because what did Jesus say? He who hears his words 
and does not do them is like the foolish person who builds his house on the sand. And what happens when the winds come? What happens when the storm comes? That house crashes. And great is its fall, just like but people who build their lives on what? What this group says, what that group says. You know what happens at the end? At some point, whether now or at judgment, their lives crash. Their lives crash. Like that house that collapses in the storm. But what about those who hear his word? And follow. See, those are the ones who, and those who built their house on the rock. And the storms come, and the wind blows, the rain beats down, and it stands. That's the issue for us this morning, folks. On what basis do you stand? As we enter into this Christmas season, do you stand on the reality that God sent his son for us? To be the sacrifice for our sins to be our Savior and King, and that everything in our lives needs to be lined up with Him. And we need to strive, and we have to work, and sometimes it's hard because there's parts of our flesh or parts of our culture or parts of this world that we love, and we have to put it aside. We have to put it aside. We have to put it behind us. So we can move forward in Jesus. Or are we like the people that we read about so often in the scripture where it just says, and everyone did what was right in his own eyes. So you have a choice and I have a choice all the time. And it's, do I seek God's truth? Or do I live in the imagination of my own heart? You see, you don't have to have a earthly kingdom. You don't have to be great earthly in terms of like your power and wealth and prestige and all these things to still have a fabulous imagination in one's own heart. You can build your whole life on the imagination of your heart. And your own human pride that you think you know what's best. Or you can say, Lord, here I am, your servant. Two very different approaches to life, my friends. Two very different approaches to life. May God help us 
to choose the more difficult path, the one of humility, the one who said, the one that would just go to God and say, look, Lord, if it was up to just my own mind, I would get so much wrong. If it was up to my own heart, I would get so much wrong because I am so prone to error. Lord, here I am, your servant, humble before you. Instruct me and help me be, to be obedient according to your ways. Heavenly Father, we come to you this morning. We thank you that your word is truth. And we're so thankful, Lord, that you gave us Your son and your son taught us and not only taught us, but went to the cross to be the sacrifice for our sins. Lord, we recognize that you holy. We humble ourselves before you this morning, Lord, and we're thankful to have the privilege to know you and to take that bread and cup, dear Jesus, to remember your sacrifice on our behalf. Please, Lord, change my mind and my heart on anything that doesn't agree with you. Lord, please change our hearts and minds on anything that doesn't agree with you. Lord, we would be your servants. That Jesus, you would be our king. We know for all those who know you that that's true positionally. But Lord, please let it be practically. In our everyday lives and in our decisions. Help us. Lord Jesus, to love you and to love our neighbors as ourselves. We ask it in your name, Jesus. Amen.